Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. The Breaker Upperers. Written and directed by Madeline Sammy and Jackie Van Beek, 2019. After being cheated on by the same man 15 years ago, nihilistic best friends Jen and Mel have a blast breaking Kiwi couples up for a living. That is, until Mel begins to fraternize with the clients. So how about you all say hello with New Zealand accents? Okay, it's me, Kirsty. Can I hear my New Zealand accent recorded? I hate it. Right, yeah. So that's going to be fun. Hello. Hi there. Um, Stacey here on the old, um, what's it, the hot a hot stick here. That's what they call it over there, I'm pretty sure. I think she's talking about her microphone for those of you at home that have no idea what she's saying. Okay, yeah, it's a real hot mic. Okay, yeah. And hello, I'm Rochelle. I cannot speak in that accent. I can't. I cannot do it. You guys are so much better at this. You just let Stacey do it and then you copy everything she says. Years of practice. And you just watch Fly of the Concords incessantly for many years. And you inflect everything at the end? Yeah, like everything is a question. Like I'm not sh- very sure what I'm saying right now, but I'm um, yeah. going up at the end. Yeah. So like the original Valley Girls? A little Maybe. bit, but um, a bit more serious. And like an entire culture? Maybe a yeah. bit more refined? <laughs> yeah, a bit more Polish maybe? Okay, so this is going to be a problem. This is, this is a problem in our day-to-day lives. And we have a rule sometimes where we're just not allowed to we're talk We're not allowed to talk in accents. And New Zealand, it's been a while. I thought maybe we put that one to bed. Oh, really? You thought that? Well, it's just been a while. <laughs> when you get going, like, it's <sighs> it's unending. It's exhausting. Yeah. Like, I, I have a smile surprised. on my face, though. Like, I'm smiling right now. Rochelle's <laughs> glaring at us. <laughs> Rochelle, anytime it gets out of hand, I give you my consent to, like, kick me in the shins. Same, 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 same. With your gorgeous velvet sock boot. Oh, Accents just remind me that I'm... I'm an impatient person, and I don't know why. What do you mean? Like fake accents, not people with like legitimate oh. accents. <laughs> I'm so and sorry. I don't I have time for that. Not American. Oh my god, dying. No, <laughs> just like when people are doing accents, I think it's mm. probably just a deep-seated jealousy. Really? Because like I cannot participate. You just and the, maybe it's because yeah, you don't, you can't participate. So then you're like, I'm over this. Right, and I I live my life. Primarily without crippling self doubt, but as soon as as soon as accents come out, I'm like, I don't believe in myself anymore. <laughs> it's a big one. Mean? It's putting yourself out there in a crazy way. Like, oh, yeah. My husband has just gotten better at like, if I'll do one, and then I'm like, do it, try it. For a long time, he wouldn't. No, <laughs> he wouldn't even give it a go. Yeah, yeah, Neil won't do it. He's finally either. he'll try it now. He's like, but really? it's been a long road mm-hmm. because of that knee jerk like super insecurity with accents. I get it. Like with the Scottish accent, I went through that for a while where I was just like, I oh, can't yeah. do it. And then I hang out with Stacey all day. So she was like, do it, do it, do it. And that one's a good one too. Yeah. That one I and enjoy. Irish. You also just watch YouTube videos because <laughs> there are vocal coaches on YouTube. You've shown me and more of these I've shown videos. them to you. <laughs> or you just wait and Stacey will do all the heavy lifting. And then you I'll like do all the go work on a car and ride then with the her. Phrases. And then she'll only talk in that. And then you're just like, do it again. And then you copy her. Do it again. Just, just do it. Do it right now. Just finding this. What do what? Say a word in an accent. Go. 
Okay, but I'm like stuck in New Zealand. Oh, okay, eh? like oh, I'm stuck in New Zealand. Eh? I know. <laughs> the greatest girl in the whole world. The greatest girl in the whole world. That is a good phrase. It's been years of practicing, just like shadowing Stacey. She's breathing heavily into her microphone. I did also just watch a lot of Outlander recently too, so that helps a lot. Well, that's why you like honed that. it in, and then Dana the Ken and all the like different phrases and words that they use it and the hot sex and all of the soft pornography. Hmm. It's a bonus. Woo. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So there are obviously reasons to see and not see the breaker uppers. So what are some yays for us? Why would we recommend listeners go out and see the breaker uppers? Breaker uppers. Um, If you want a fresh take on the rom-com, that would be a reason to go see this film. If you want to see a film directed by two lady babes that also star in the film, watch this movie. You don't even have to leave your couch. It's on Netflix. Wow. And yeah, I think it hits the big three. Number one, New Zealand humor and accents. Okay, fine. Two, women soulmates written and directed by women. Gotta love that. My favorite. And number three, a kick-ass Casey and JoJo dance number. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's just maybe the most important reason to see this it film. It could be the most important. You know, behind, you know, like women creating and like making right. original comedy. And like all that and, women's yeah. lib shit. But whatever. like it was so bold. You're just like, wait a minute. Is there mm-hmm. going to be a dance number right now? And they're and just like they're, saddled they deliver. the fuck up. Yes, Swoon. Also, honorable honorable mention yay would be Anna Scottney, the character the Anna who plays Scottney Seppa. is my favorite human my in, new the whole favorite world, human. in the whole wide world. Favorite. <laughs> yeah, on the planet. Oh, my God. You're like Anna, the best. Anna, I wrote a song for you. I wonder She's if she heard it. Love it. I hope we're going to get it to her. Okay. Okay, uh, so good reasons to see. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Some potential reasons to pass. Some some nays. Oh, my name is that it's New Zealand humor. So it is kind of like a niche niche yes niche so it is a little bit of a niche type of humor um which just gets me so through and through i love it so like Um, a nay for some people but not for you not Mm -hmm. for me but like i watched this movie with my husband and i was loling the whole time and he would be like huh (laughs) where i was like "Ah, yeah less into it (laughs) Yeah, I think if you don't like Flight of the Concords, that's a good barometer for how you f- will feel about this film. So, or even Napoleon Dynamite. Like, I feel like for me... Yeah, that kind of dry... Like New Zealand and Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> mm-hmm. humor are, like, kind of the same without accents. It's just the accent is different. Yeah. My opinion, though. Mm-hmm. And for me, nay would be the third act. Mm-hmm. You can see that. So, Screen Daily is calling this... A womance. Hmm. Nice. You know, not a bromance. A not even a rom-com. A womance. A romance. I, I love, love that. that. Yeah, it totally is a womance. Yeah. Strong story about friendship. Yay. Mm-hmm. It is all about friendship. I read a review that called it a rom-com and was kind of, con- I just kind of wrote it off. I didn't even really think of it. And then when we were driving here to podcast, Stacy had mentioned that it like broke the form of rom-com sort of and I'm understanding now why some critics would have referred to it as a rom-com but yeah it is like a rom-com for like friends that love each other hmm well and yeah it's made by friends 
as far as we know. You know, we're not best friends with Madeline and, Jack- and Jackie, but... We will be, though, if you listen. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> but Here they are definitely friends making this film. Uh, and so that's obviously one of my... It's one of the big three for me. But beyond that, it's, it's a very small project. There's a lot of cool people involved. Um, I think at this point it's made about three and a half million U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, not big. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Netflix picked it up. I'm curious about the budget. Do either of you know what the budget was for this film? No, I, don't. I couldn't find that yeah, information. Yeah, it was hard to find the that info. The only tidbit I found was it was so indie that the sex scene with Jermaine was loosely improvised because, and I'm assuming it's just because they only had him for, like, a short amount of time. Right. So that's it. That's, <laughs> yeah. like, the only hint to a budget is the, like, amazing, passionate sex scene in this film. Oh, my gosh. Was <laughs> he, he just wanted her to look in his eyes. <laughs> Look at, look at me. I loved the, <laughs> the fight. connection. Don't. Don't fight? do it yet. Don't. Oh wait. My gosh. Wait. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then they got into it. Spoilers. <laughs> uh. So yeah, and then it, it premiered at South by Southwest last March. Had a pretty good turnaround here and then Netflix picked it up. And I have no idea how much this type of project is worth to Netflix. I don't know. I know that they... The articles I read said that they chose to go with Netflix because it ensured an audience, whereas it's it's very risky for like these small films, right? We know, to have a theatrical release in the United States. And apparently when it first debuted, it made one point seven million, which made it really quite high on the list of indie releases in, in New Zealand. Yeah, that's what I read too, is it did really well in the New Zealand release. It's part of the reason Netflix would look at it too mm-hmm. to bring it over to the states but which makes sense but i mean i'm just thinking relatively like okay so 1.7 million dollars in tiny new zealand though it, right true i know but just it's so it's so interesting looking back at, at how that's just not even it's, it's not like, even on the table yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> drop in the barrel yeah but yeah indie film is crazy because indie film means people that you have like millions of dollars to make a movie <laughs> an independent film is considered something with a three million dollar budget or less <laughs> potentially potentially so yeah it's crazy it was so inspiring though i was like it was inspiring. as a filmmaker i was eating it up everything every mm-hmm. second well and Jackie had directed one film before, I believe, The Inland Road in 2017, um, that actually had a character that was in What We Do in the Shadows, Taika Waititi's uh, film, who is the executive producer on The Breaker Reppers. And so it's like a family affair, right? Everybody's connected in some way. And I think that that was what stood out to me immediately was the scope that they chose to attempt was extremely realistic, is mm-hmm. what it seemed. Mm-hmm. Um, there were only 13 listed actors on Letterboxd, uh, and some of them didn't even have, like, legitimate names. Like, I could not actually find uh, Jan's mom. When you <laughs> hover on on uh, Rima Tawaita's, I believe that's how you say her name, how, when you hover on her name on Letterboxd, it doesn't show an actual name for her character. She's just... Huh. Oh, just the mom. She's just Weird. Jan's sex-crazed mom, and it was amazing. You know that oh. she played Auntie Bella, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. 
Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm. That is Auntie. Oh my gosh, you're right. When I, I just loved that character in that film. And oh, so okay. I, I hadn't put it together until doing research. So, But mm-hmm. it, that just really says something that it's not so much about like how many actors you have or how many characters there are. They really did a lot with with a small amount of, of people. Totally. Um, and a group of people, it sounds like, that just have been supporting one another for such a long time mm-hmm. in this industry, too, which is adorable and endearing. I love it. Yeah, I had read that there's a video I watched from People, People <laughs> magazine, and I can't find the video. Um, but they were talking about how the comedy scene in New Zealand is very small and has been for a very long time. Okay. And so they've all been hanging out together and been working. Um, and so it's so insular, which is why you have this very specific kind of uh, particular aesthetic coming out of there that feels so unusual mm-hmm. to us. But that's just what they've been working with together forever. Mm-hmm. And I think this film is super... Uh, uh, indicative of that yeah it's absolutely a snapshot of just what they're doing over there that's what it feels like to me I wonder if it's the comedy circuit because Hannah Gatsby and her stand-up Nanette excuse me um, Hannah Gatsby and her stand-up Nanette talks about how she was a touring comic Mm -hmm. before she got the Netflix special and so it I wonder if in Australia and New Zealand both there's just these like comedy circuits that people work to where it's just a small, I don't know, I just wonder, with all of these cool comedians in cahoots so closely together. <laughs> well, and Sammy and Van Beek had such chemistry. They obviously have something really uh, special when they get on screen together. And, they're, you know, we see other comedy duos, female comedy duos, who have a lot of electricity and a lot of chemistry. Uh, and so it was refreshing to watch that in a new, it felt like a new take. Totally. I think maybe it was partially the pessimism because I, I, there's sometimes pessimism in American comedy films that involve women duos, but it kind of seems like false pessimism or like it's a joke that the pessimism is a joke and you're just supposed to get it. Whereas this just felt very uh, specific and important pessimism. That's the nihilism, I suppose, coming through. And it was a huge part of what I think bound them and made them uh, evocative to watch. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I love them. I'm going to say that so many times. I love it all. The the woman who plays the cop, the blonde cop. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't remember her character name. But in my research of my girlfriend, Anna Scottney, <laughs> she was in a project called Wellington Paranormal, which is a New Zealand mockumentary about cops. Oh, oh my God. And... Um, the blonde cop looks like she's in this oh, series. Hilarious. So I think that that character is actually from a different series that they inserted oh, in. Oh, my to, gosh. And I started watching it, and I didn't, you know, I don't know for sure, but it, she seems like the same person. <laughs> That's so it's like amazing. a transplant. That amazing? Yeah, they like lifted a character. Mm-hmm. So if we were Kiwis, <laughs> we, would been, we would have been like, Whoa! Yeah, it's not so, so cool. Yeah. So Wellington Paranormal is next on my list for some <laughs> some uh, web. I'm not sure if it's web series, but I found it online. You can watch it all online. Oh, I'm Isn't going that to. so cool? I will. I picked up on that in the story finesse and the character um, 
compatibility as well and just the the side characters maybe they didn't have a name maybe maybe it did and it went by really fast but everybody seemed to have a really specific purpose and then that purpose was like taken to the next level uh i particularly appreciated that out of the people who have not been mentioned i particularly appreciated that in the character of anna which is uh celia pacola she was an extremely effective character for me in this in this film. And I think that it was probably because she got to show a pretty significant range of emotions and she was significantly unhinged, but it was extremely relatable outside of the fact that she's like latching on to these strangers in such a specific way, specifically Melon. I'm just <laughs> going to call her that. Melon. <laughs> I've been talking about Melon all day. <laughs> and and I, I... White girl. I, she really definitely... Uh, bridged the gap there and helped me believe that Mel was looking to make new connections. If if she was willing to connect with Anna, then she was really hungry for different types of connections, which I think was the actual vehicle story uh, device in this, in this screenplay. And it didn't always come to fruition. That wasn't always at the forefront. But when it finally circled back at the very end of the third act, it really, really worked for me. But Anna was the constant thread for me in that, in that regard. Oh, I love it. I love the third act, too. It did give her character such a depth that I was not anticipating. Yeah, she was she was what saved it for me that and the Casey and Jojo song. But I and I did I did appreciate when Jan, you know, had her illumination and decided that, you know, her friendship with Mel is what's most important. She doesn't want to be alone. But more than that, she just loves she just loves Mel. Uh, and so I appreciated how far she was willing to go uh, to get Mel back. I really, that was the kind of the breaking of the rom-com mm-hmm. standard fare for me, especially considering it's, it, that really drove home that romance for totally. me, um, the lengths that she would go. And so I did appreciate that. It just did, it did get tied up in a nice, pretty little bow at the end there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I loved the scene with Jan and Stacy's girlfriend, Anna Scottney, because I I just loved how they dealt with race there. I thought that was really, really refreshing. Um, An internet, it's basically just a woman of color calling out a white lady. It's the white lady's trying to communicate with her, like, at every turn, which to me seems necessary. I don't, it's just so refreshing. And I feel like they did that with a lot of kind of tropes in this film. The other one that really struck me was how young the boyfriend <laughs> Jordan. Jordan was. Oh my because gosh. Because you hear about like older men getting young ladies pregnant. Totally. And, and you, you know, I don't even think, I don't even bat an eye Ugh. at that. But when it was her, when the woman was older and the man was much younger, it was kind of uncomfortable or different. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I just feel like they did a lot of they addressed a lot of really important issues mm-hmm. in a refreshing way that I've not mm-hmm. really experienced recently. I don't know. <laughs> totally. They twisted all of the tropes of the genre or set them up, set up your expectations, and then completely deliver something different at the end. Even in the small details, and that's the surrealist humor coming through, right? So you see people sports players on the side uh, of the track or of the field all the time drinking their water and then dousing their face in in water you rarely see them drinking their coca-cola and then dumping it all over their head also like indie film fun fact the her looking at jan looking through the binoculars at him and then she looks in the binoculars later looking for melon 
Mm-hmm. Same shot, people. They just <laughs> saved themselves a day of shooting oh, there. Same shot, same shirt, same everything. It's fine. Love Whatever, it. No big deal. Also, the continuity in the wine glasses. <laughs> oh, Did I anybody it. notice that? No. I think they were f- messing with us. Really? Oh, my gosh. I want you both to <laughs> the go The wine back glasses on the desk? On the table when she reaches out to the ex-boyfriend, Joe. When Jan oh, reaches mm. out to Joe. And then they have a weird glass of wine. The continuity in her wine glass, it's like empty, and then it's half full, <laughs> and then it's a quarter full, and then it's empty. I don't know. It could just be an indie film. Just I, more I and wonder, more wine. I almost Keep wondered coming. if they yeah. were doing it as like an inside joke. That's I couldn't funny. tell. Like the continuity was so bad on it that I was like, <laughs> I was feeling so, so much crippling anxiety because I was so uncomfortable. I can't handle people embarrassing themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I was having a moment. Um, but yeah, I didn't notice the wine. I wish I would have. I normally am on that continuity like white on rice, but I couldn't. I was just like, because this is such an indie film, I was so inspired by how attainable it felt for me to be able to go up and be like, ooh, I'm going to make a movie now. (laughs) So I think I was just paying really close attention to everything production-wise like the entire way through because I was so inspired by it, the way it was shot too. Mm -hmm. Stace had said that it's a female cinematographer that's Mm -hmm. filming. Woo! <laughs> Celine Dion. <gasps> oh my word! In the penis hat. Oh, her <laughs> that her. catches off fire. Yeah. It's oh amazing. my gosh! And her head gets bacon. Okay. And then what does she say? It's like, yeah, my face got a bit singed. Got a bit singed. <laughs> got a bit scorched. and fine. Um, evidently they were trying to tweet at Celine Dion to, oh my to see if they could use that song, and Russell Crowe. <laughs> retweeted it before they even knew Is what was he, happening. He's Australian, right? He's Australian. See what I mean? It's like a tight-knit yeah, yeah, yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a part of that community at all. But she reps it. But I want to be. Uh, and so he retweeted it, and Celine Dion met with them, and they had lunch together, and they said it was the most amazing lunch they'd ever had, oh and that word. she was so, like, glowing. Like, her okay, skin was I perfect. That. Celine Dion, fun fact, and I'm not sure if she's still performing, but she was like in Vegas for a while. Yeah, would only wear hot couture. Of course, for her costume. Oh would word. only wear the hot couture. Queen Dame Dion. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "What the hell, people? Like, wear more hot couture." And I'm like, "Money, buy me some." Yeah, <laughs> I loved how the there was many different types of montages utilized in this film, and I think I particularly enjoyed the one where Jan is imagining them in a music video <laughs> yes, to Celine Dion, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I just, I couldn't get over it uh, just based on the fact they got to utilize all types of different costuming because the costuming in this was a, was a blast. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the other montages was just specifically all the different costumes that they wear to hoodwink people mm-hmm. uh, when they're breaking up for others, significant others, <laughs> others, significant others. I just feel like... It almost did, and you already said this, Stace, but it feels like they broke a form a little bit because they're just like, yeah, guess what? We're doing that. You want to put this montage in? We're doing it. I almost feel like part of it was they came up with, like, moments and then wrote the scene around the moment. That's how I felt in the final scene, too. I was like, you know, they just wanted this song in there, and then they wrote a scene around it. And the way that the apology went down between the two or, like, I guess the rekindling of the friendship with... Are we allowed to say spoilers now? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we're in spoilers. I was thinking that at that point, too. Like, did they just think it'd be really funny 
to have two best friends make up like while one was kind of giving the other one a lap dance and then they wrote a scene around that Mm -hmm. I I was struck with that numerous times throughout the film yeah like they just come mm -hmm. up with one joke and then build around it totally well it makes sense that that, I mean what are we going to get obsessed with in this specific scene oh my shawl my throw blanket you know whatever that might look like or Doing their striptease to get out of getting arrested for impersonating cops. Not a for like a cops. form, by the way. I love that a cop's fantasy is to have a cop show up. I know. And that felt form breaking too, because you're like, okay, it's all gonna fall apart now. And no, they're just gonna give a cop a lap Skate dance. Get on by. Leave. Oh man, it's two ladies obliterating the genre that is the most feminine cliche genre. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, they're sort of like, to go a little meta on it, they're like, fuck you, rom-coms. We will not. We are going to break these people up because they're too weak or lame to do it themselves. So, yeah, I I feel that too. Well, and the the women's entire relationship is built, the strength of their relationship is built on being screwed over by the same man. So instead of getting angry at each other, they become soulmates. Totally. And <laughs> like, know, I just love that type of a storyline. Also, internet, where go have watch I ever the seen that storyline? The other woman. <gasps> yes. With oh, Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Bad moms, other woman, breaker uppers. Mm-hmm. Bad moms has nothing to do with that. It's just fantastic. <laughs> and there are women. That in was it. just a There are women in it that are funny. <laughs> But it wasn't even it that was in there, and then it, at the same time, it wasn't even a big deal too. They still somehow made it mm-hmm. minimal. Yeah, it was just it was there, peripheral the whole time, which I also loved too because it wasn't about this this guy that ruined their lives and they have to come mm-hmm. together like, oh yeah, that happened. P.S. We're we're the best. I love it. <laughs> well, and I really appreciated how in the fight, like what you were saying, Stacy. Even when they bring it back to Joe, once they have their fight, their big breakup scene, yeah, they're talking about him and they're throwing lashes at each other, but that's just, that's easy fodder. They're not really talking about the fact that they're afraid to be without each other. And they're also afraid, more so Jan than Mel at this point, afraid to let other people in. Mm-hmm. And after 15 years, you know, Mel is more inclined and and Jan is still like, no way. Um but at the end of the day, they have to figure out that they are what matter and that they can still let other people in. Hopefully, my girl Anna. Oh, I think so. I feel like that was open to interpretation. And I'm interpreting it as they're hanging out right now. They're all friends. <laughs> oh, they are friends. So what should we take away from the Breaker Uppers? Go make a movie right now. That's my takeaway. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> they made filmmaking seem so attainable and beautiful. I think for me it's continue to invest in your community because if you're a creative person and you're working on some enormous end goal try and see the value in all of the small successes along the way especially when you're helping the people around you become successful as well because at the end of the day you can all get there uh, and helping one another will get you there faster or get you there at all or maybe you'll just have a really fucking amazing time doing it and still have cool content that you and your friends can watch. Oh, I love that takeaway. Take that away. Yeah, take that away. <laughs> have fun with what you're doing. And it's it's good. What you're doing is good and funny. Say something in New Zealand. Okay, bye. Okay, see you later then. Bye. <sighs>
That was Rochelle's okay, impersonation. Yeah, I've got a new podcast. <laughs> it's called Cassidy. Going to go home to the um, going to go Stingers, a New Zealand yeah. stinger. Yep. Let's go Ooh. ahead and call me. Okay, my phone number. Help me. Uh, Mike Bump. Area code three. This has been a Talking to Crows production. <laughs>